0: She's passionate about helping you become the best mama you can be and is pulling back the curtain on experts advice for every area of our lives, from eating for wellness, the best advice for littles, fashion and style, and everything in between. Get ready to get real. This is Not Your Mama's Podcast with your host, Christina Franci. Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. And today I'm so excited. We have Lainey Liberty on. She is a best-selling author, an international speaker, and a teen mentor, world schooler. She is phenomenal. And we're so excited to have her on today. So Lainey, can you give the audience a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to where you are today?
1: Okay, yeah. So most of the time when I share my origin story, it's I start and in- 2008 although there's parts of it that go farther back but let's just start there for brevity's sake. Um, I'm originally from California and in 2008 we experienced an economy crash and at the time I was a state uh, uh, not a stay-at-home but a, a, a self-employed uh, business owner. I worked in um branding, marketing, graphic design, advertising for almost 20 years. And the last eight of those years, I owned my own agency. So I had an agency that specialized in doing branding and and campaign development for Green eco companies and nonprofits. And by the end of 2008, I started to see my clients going away because the nonprofits were first to be hit. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the year, I knew I wasn't bringing my staff back for for two thousand and nine, and I was clearly overworked and um, pretty stressed. Yeah. And as a single parent, one of the things that I heard from my son over and over was, "Mom, you never spend any time with me. You're always working." And that was like a dagger into the heart. And I knew that something had to change and I just saw this as an, you know, an opportunity and without too much sort of cognitive um, thinking about it, I was inspired to look over at my son one night in the office. It was like nine o'clock. He, like I said, was nine years old and I looked over at him, his name is Miro, and I said, Miro, what do you think if we just got rid of all this stuff and just went out and had an adventure and he stopped playing his game, he looked over at me and he's like, one question, and I was like, what, he's like, do I have to go to school? I was like, no, you don't. And he said, I am in. And that basically started the the, um, journey that we embarked on, which was life-changing. We left the States for what was to be a one-year adventure. Um, That was, like I said, in the beginning of 2009. It's 2023 now. We still have not made it home uh, we've been back to visit, I'll I'll tell you that, but we've been out of the country for, we're just starting on our 15th year. So we've been around the world several times. Um, my son has since grown up, he's now 24. We've lived in nomadic life, we've lived in partnership. Um, a good part of our journey has been focused on world schooling, which is a combination of experiential and social learning Mm -hmm. and in partnership. And um, the other half has been really about nurturing and taking care of our mental health and really focusing on the connection, the partnership between myself and my son. So that's, Sort of the origin story, and I could talk about you know all the things that happened during that time, but yeah, that's enough to get us started.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome! How fun! What an adventure! So,
1: where are you guys living right now? Mm. So I'm talking to you, oddly enough, the first place we set out when we left on our journey was Mexico. And for the last three years, Mexico has been my home. So uh, we I just happened to be here uh, when the pandemic hit, and we just never left. My son actually did leave. He was 20 two at, or 21 at the time and when the pandemic hit and, and all of our trips so i guess i'll i'll sort of premise we together my son and i started several companies the first one was 10 years ago and it's called project world school and so we've been bringing teens around the world um, for these immersive learning experiences living in community for about a month three to four weeks oh, awesome. and awesome. Yeah, and it's it's really a wonderful way to explore the outer worlds by nurturing the inner worlds as well. So it's it's social learning, um, experiential learning without curriculum, but it's something that my son and I like. We've created the formula on how to design an experience based on the country that we're in. So we've done trips month-long trips in Peru, and in South Africa, and in Greece. Greece, the theme was, you know, walking the path of the gods, and it was all a mythology, living, uh, you know, in modern myth, and it was just a really wonderful trip. We've done trips, we did a trip in Wales, and that was a building trip, because we wanted to experience what it's like living on an organic farm, and we built this big um roundhouse like a a cob roundhouse we've done trips in thailand which are about service um you know the culture el- serving elephants and adventure stepping outside of our comfort zone so it was the first trip where we introduced rock climbing as part of our experience and it was just a beautiful place to do it so all around the world each place has different things to offer and the the experience was designed based on you know the gifts and culture of our uh host country so that's one of the that. things we did yeah 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 just just an incredible experience. And I, now I've totally lost track of what the original no, was. No, but
0: what, so how can like someone who wants to have their teen experience, you know, other cultures and be a part of this program, how do they get involved? How can they sign up sure. and participate? And um, I know also you do a lot of um, teen mentorship with like mental health. So first let's, how can someone sign up their teen to participate in these fun, worldly, um, adventures.
1: So project, that one's, that's a really easy answer. Project World School is a website and you, know, you can find us online or on Instagram and, um, just reach out. Our next trip, uh, is in Thailand in November. So that's a month long trip. Um, but you know, we've, we've had to relaunch slower. We were producing four to five team, you know, it, like learning communities a year and um in 2020 we had none they kept kept getting canceled right Mm -hmm. but 2021 we didn't do any trips for project world school and then 2022 last year we did our first trip which was a short one here in Mexico and then this year also we did a short trip an intro trip in Mexico and then we're we're expanding we're going back to Thailand so we're starting to ramp up again Um, but it's it's easy to find our information uh, just by going to projectworldschool.com now since 2020 um, I said that I've been working with teens for the past 10 years taking them on trips around the world. Well, I guess part of my origin story is going back to my childhood. And I was raised in a household where there was a lot of trauma. I was always being yelled at. Um, You know, there was a lot of mental health stuff that I had to overcome due to my childhood. And a good part of my late teens and early 20s and even into my 30s, I worked tremendously on self-healing and and, um, studying psychology and um, spirituality and philosophy and every single modality I could get my hands on. Because part of my trauma response um, from my childhood was hyper-independence and Mm -hmm. so you know, I was, I could do it at whatever it is. I could do it. I could do it myself. I don't need anybody. I can learn it. I've got a brain. It works, you know, quite well, you know, I'm capable of learning anything. And I believe that, and that kept me, you know, my intrinsic motivation really activated. Um, so in some sense, you know, the trauma response served me in other respects. I had to really get over not allowing people in and not allowing help and pushing people away and things like that. But the process of my, my, you know, twenties and thirties, I knew I always wanted to be a parent and I never wanted to parent in the manner which I was parented. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, through self-inquiry and recognizing that I had these patterns and triggers and fears that were not healthy and I wanted to break these generational wounds I worked really really hard on focusing on how to self-heal and what tools I could use and and really mastering um, the the internal space doesn't mean that through you know the work that I've done I've gotten rid of my traumas I've learned to integrate them as an active part of who I am this is this is my experience and the way that my brain has been written Mm -hmm. so the tools that I used for myself and the the research and the knowledge all that gave me um tools to use when we brought teens out into the world, because noticing that they're outside of their comfort zone, there's fear, there's sometimes there's lashing out, sometimes they're shutting down. I had to know how to hold space and support the teens that were traveling with with us. So the experience of the tools I used for myself came in handy. It was a great um you know something to have in my tool belt and so when 2020 rolled around and we weren't traveling i decided to take all those tools and formulate them into an online course for teens who were struggling tremendously during the pandemic mental health hit this population um, greater than any other population Mm -hmm. that adolescents suffered. And so I stepped up and I was there to serve my community. And in fact, um, I even wrote a book for parents so they could support their teens because I could only, you know, I'm only one person. I could only reach many. And so I wanted to make sure that parents felt empowered and had the same tools that I had to help facilitate some of these challenges in their home. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's so true. And
0: I still even feel after the pandemic, you know, the teens have such a hard time growing up. It wasn't like how I grew up, you know, we have the social media, you know, that is something that was really impactful to their mental health. And I mean, I just couldn't imagine growing up because people bully online and and do all those things. It's just, I think it's tough for kids growing up these days and it's a whole new field and we're going to see what happens when they turn into adults with all the technology and the access that they have to everything.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is a different world. And I find that many parents don't recognize that and they parent for the way that they were parented or Mm -hmm the world that they knew. And it's very difficult. However, media literacy absolutely needs to be a part of of every, you know, child's education. Um, but in addition to that, that growing need, we need to have the tools to understand our internal worlds. Because you're right, it's out outright nasty um, sometimes, online bullying. Um, even in-person bullying, but mm-hmm. the online bullying has this whole different dynamic that, that you and I, especially me, you're way younger than me, but especially me, like in my childhood, I didn't deal with this because yeah. you were bullied. You knew who was bullying you and the anonymous nature of, of nastiness and hiding behind you know your computer screen as with an alias is it allows people to um, really be nasty or really be cruel and how as developing individuals, especially if we're in our adolescence, if we don't have the tools to know what's true for us by checking in, yeah, things can hurt. And yes, if we have tools to deal with and feel the feelings that come up and process them and let them go, then that's the healthiest thing to do. But if we don't know how to do that, we either swallow our emotions and push them down we explode and you know fight there, there's so many different ways of reacting if we don't know what's going on we then just become the reaction mm-hmm. which is your natural programmed reaction to things and i really feel like tools need to be a part of everybody's education for understanding their internal worlds Totally. And then you really talk a lot about partnership
0: parenting. Yeah. Kind of like that conscious parenting. Can you give a, a little deep dive into that too, please?
1: Sure. Now, I've read so much. Again, you know, my hyper-independence is, oh, I can read anything. I can learn anything. And in fact, I don't have a PhD. But, you know, the book that I wrote that I'll talk about a little bit has been endorsed by PhDs and and psychologists and mental health professionals all around the world because it's, it's very well researched. So the idea, Idea that we can learn whatever we want to learn is, is one of those powerful affirmations for us. Repeat the question one more time. <laughs> Sorry, No, it's fine. It, just about like conscious parenting, oh, yeah. you know, yes. and,
0: and oh, yeah. how we have partnership in parenting.
1: That's right. That so the reason why I was telling you I've read so many things is I've read every single, not every single, but most modalities in parenting. I've read conscious parenting about books about conscious parenting. I've read books about um uh Attachment parenting, peaceful parenting, gentle parenting, aware parenting, hand-in-hand parenting. And I've basically taken the best of all of those. There's wonderful things about each of those modalities or philosophies. And I I love many parts of it, but there are many parts of each of those things that I don't like. And the majority, I, I can sum up what I don't like. Um, there tends to be this belief that as parents, we are entitled to live in a home that serves our greater needs. And so, okay, on the surface, that sounds lovely. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in a home that serves our greater needs, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times that comes at the expense of our children. And many of these modalities teach us how to change the behavior in somebody else and that to me is where the problem starts because that is parenting with an agenda and it doesn't matter if you're doing gently or consciously or peacefully you are still imposing your agenda agenda on another human being and so i really wanted to live in partnership there was a book that i read early on in my parenting journey mm-hmm. that influenced me to no end. And it's called, um, uh, uh, of course, I'm going to forget it. <laughs> it's called The Continuum Concept. And it's written by by a, a woman, Judith Lightoff, I think is her name. She's not alive anymore, but she spent years living in community with um different indigenous communities in Peru in, in the Amazon region. Mm-hmm. And from a sociology perspective, she studied the manner in which people reared children. And one of the foundational beliefs in in indigenous communities is our children is are born whole. They're not empty vessels like we believe in the Western world to dump our you know, uh information, our goals, our values, our influence into our children. Mm-hmm. They're not that. They're not empty vessels. They are full vessels that need to learn how to actualize their voice and really discover who they are. And, and the as gifts. Par- exactly. And as parents, we're we're honored with the gift of being able to guide or facilitate the, the childhood of these youngsters. And so allowing them to make mistakes and trusting them to use, you know, fire and knives and tools and being held by the support of a community without judgment. And the word no is not used in these communities. And it's a powerful way to look at childbearing. And so when I started to adapt that because it really resonated with me here's this whole person if I'm going to use gentle parenting or conscious parenting a lot of that stuff which I love is about learning to recognize our own behaviors and reactions as parents but it's also ways to make sure that they respond in kind in a way that serves us so for my convenience you know, in gentle parenting, instead of yelling, and I want my child to do something, we'll negotiate. We'll create different ways of talking, mm-hmm. and I still think that's a manipulation. I think there's no sugar coating life, so I've taken the kindness factor, the the values, the consciousness, the awareness of oneself. And I've combined that with partnership in sort of an anarchist perspective, anarchist in the way that we're not allowing somebody else to be the, um, authoritarian in the relationship. We're partners. So he's whole person. I'm whole person. We have different roles in the relationship, my age, I'm the Mm breadwinner, capable of doing those things. He's capable of doing other things. And we agree to the things that we both contribute equally to the relationship. It doesn't mean we're equal or the same. It means we're both contributing because we're both responsible for this precious thing that we call our relationship. And to do that in partnership means I'm not the boss. That means he's not the boss. It means together we are making our decisions and defining how we're going to live our lives. We also don't live with rules or external rules at all. Um, rules of, of the world around us or social rules. They're not important to us. We live by our values and Mm -hmm. it's much easier to say, okay, um, here's this big decision we need to make together. What do you think? What do I think? You know, if we're both on the fence, let's run this through our, the filter of our core values and see what's in alignment, what comes up. And that empowerment that comes from within and the act of empowering one another and expecting that to be our norm, that's our base, um, that creates partnership. So when I say anarchist parent parenting, it's not like chaos and fighting mm-hmm. that, you know, that's the way people use the word, but it's an incorrect way. It means we are voluntarily um giving consent to the things that we wish to give consent to. And that is a big part of the foundation of how we live our lives. Yeah.
0: No, I love that. It's beautiful because also it gives you know the child a sense of belonging. Also they feel in control of kind of like the decisions and their, um, you know, and they also have like, you know, they feel heard. I I actually really do resonate with like that partnership stuff. I try that with, even though I have like only a four-year-old and a one-year-old, you know, even with my four-year-old, I try to give him like decisions to kind of make him feel like, you know, he's one with me and the family and, and things like that. So I try to be like, well, what would you like to do? And how would you, would we like to do it? You know what I mean? Like, so he feels he has a voice and he's heard. And I I think that's really beautiful. I like, I like your philosophy on that.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different. It's outside of the norm. Um, but I, I will tell you that, um, if you go all in with this style of parenting, you never get rebellion because what is there to rebel against? Um, it only works if you're both or everyone in the family is committed to um, really being accountable for their internal worlds. Mm-hmm. And, and if you, as the parent or parents, are modeling that this is this is the manner in which our our family culture is expressed, you don't have to teach it. You just do it by showing it, you know, mm-hmm. by by living it, you're modeling that I'm being accountable. Oh, I messed up. You know, I was triggered and let me tell you what happened in my own sort of internal world. This reminded me of this. I have a pattern of this. It wasn't you. And I'm sorry because it was inappropriate that I, the way that I responded and that kind of I'm accountable I didn't never force my son to 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 do that. I never said you need to do what I'm doing. But because that's how I treated him, he stepped up and you know was self-aware, you know, oh I'm sorry. I realize you know I was being mean. That I really should have considered x y or z and that was on me. I'm I'm sorry. And that's repair that's accountability, that's awareness. And, you know, now to be an, uh, like a parent of an adult son, I see what a brilliant man he's become because he's so Mm self-aware and he's so compassionate because it was such an active part of our family culture.
0: Yeah, they say things aren't taught, they're caught. So be careful what you do, because they're going to be, they're going to catch up on it. And it's true. I do the same thing now. Sometimes, you know, I get triggered. And sometimes I get a little angry. And then, you know, a little bit later, I'm like, hey, you know what, I'm sorry, I may have overreacted. You know, let's hug it out. Like, I didn't mean to get so mad. It just you know, X, Y, and Z kind of set me off. Like, you know, I try to talk in like four-year-old language. Um, but, you know, I apologize sometimes because after a while I'm like, God, I think I was just like maybe a little too harsh on that, you know? And so I go and I'm like, I'm sorry, mom was just getting frustrated. And I shouldn't have been so mad. And, you know, I try to yeah. do those things too, to recognize my feelings so that he can be more aware of his feelings and understand that you know it's okay to apologize it's okay to have anger it's okay to do all these things but you know how do we work through it all
1: yeah it's really fascinating too because I never knew what kind of an effect this kind of parenting would have on my son and when I asked him when I wrote my book I asked him if he'd read it and then write the forward and he said of course of course and he wrote something to the extent of how all of his friends think of their parents on this pedestal as somebody to be worshiped and my mom was not that my mom was fallible she was confident enough to show me her her you know um her challenges her dark side or you know mm-hmm. the things that, that we try and hide. And he really got to understand what it means to be human. And I reflect on my own childhood. I was afraid of my parents and I still have it. So <laughs> my God. But like living, you know, your entire childhood in fear oh my God, I don't have that same opinion about my parents that my son has about me. And mm-hmm. thankfully, I think, you know, that means that I moved into a space where I am breaking these generational wounds. So showing our fallibility and showing who we are, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the 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 challenges. I mean, it, it, obviously, you know, my son is not my therapist, yeah. But but I don't, you know, I don't hide anything from him in in the sense where, you know, this is what mom's going through right now. I'm struggling because here's this pattern, and it really makes me feel bad. And I really need to do some work around that, and that. That honesty and awareness and and vulnerability created such a strong connection of trust between us which and understanding,
0: really understanding as well, yeah. because he's not just like making up all these conspiracy theories in his head about his mom and like, why is she acting this way? It's like being forward and honest, like, Hey, you know, I'm kind of going through stuff right now. So I'm probably not going to be on my a game. (laughs) So, you know, and he understands that. So I think that's good to have that open, honest communication so that they're not in the dark and they can understand what's going on. Cause like you said, in the beginning, we are all human, you know, we all go through our things and we all have our issues. We all have our past and, um, you know, we always need to go in and hug our inner child because we all have childhood traumas growing up. So, um, yeah, I know that I remember there was one point, um, where I realized, oh, my parents have issues. They're not these people on the pedestal. They're humans and they have flaws too. But I didn't realize that until, you know, when you kind of get in your teens, you, you start noticing that. And, um, it's just good awareness, but, um, Lainey, I have four questions I love to ask all my guests, and I can't wait to know what your answers are. And my first one is, who and what inspires you?
1: Hmm. And you know what? To be fair, you you gave me uh a, a intro. <laughs> you said you were going to ask me these questions, and I said I didn't know how I was going to answer. I still don't. Who and what inspires me? Well, besides my son inspiring, inspiring me daily, um, which I think is a wonderful thing. I think one of the researchers that I really resonated with and I learned a lot about uh, mindfulness and um, introspection and attachment and healing attachment wounds is Dr. Daniel Siegel. Mm -hmm. Um, He wrote a really powerful book that I consider is my Bible. It's called... um, uh, uh, brainstorm the power and purpose of the teenage brain, but he also wrote books like Mindset and um, uh, the Attached Parent and and things like that. So all of his work is really, really compelling, and I think he's one of my heroes because I've learned so much through his research and his life, um, work, his life's work. Mm-hmm. Great answer. Um,
0: and my second question is what is something you wished you knew when you were younger?
1: I wish I knew when I, when I was younger, that it was okay to be myself, that I was not invisible, that I did matter. I spent a good portion of my childhood, not liking who I was because I was always being yelled at. Um, and i i just i felt like it wasn't okay to be me i really mm-hmm. did and you know that that really propelled me into some very negative coping mechanisms self sabotage and drugs and you know things that teens do um and i understand actually that gave me a, a great a great source of of understanding and foundation when i connect and work with teens mm-hmm. and so, you know, I've learned to take these experiences and, and make them something that's really positive in my life. But I really wish that I knew that it was okay to be me.
0: No, that's a good reminder because sometimes we're just not comfortable in our skin and that to realize, you know, you're perfect the way you are. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, I, I relate to that too. That's something I wished I knew when I was younger as well. Um, so, and then my third question is what's the essential part of your daily routine?
1: Yeah. Um, well, it depends where I am in my process. Um, I go through lots of different cycles of journaling or reading. Um, I did create a, uh, wonderful tool that that I use as a 30 day tool to reprogram some of my wiring. And Mm when, 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 find that those things come up, Um, one of the things that I can, you know, like one of my habits would be doing this process before I go to bed. So it just depends really where I am in my process, but because I've been using tools for mental health and for, um, you know, really um, uh, like nurturing my curiosity and learning Um, It just really depends where I am on my journey. Sometimes I'm I'm really, really passionate about painting and I do a lot of art. And sometimes I go months without doing any art and I'm focusing Mm -hmm. on something else. But knowing that I've got lots of different things that light me up. And part of that is because I've done the work to know um what feeds my soul and I just have to recognize what's alive for me in that moment because I don't do all of them all the time mm-hmm. so I thought it was kind of a a non-committal answer but there's a reason for that yeah no, that's a good answer um okay. and then so my fourth question is
0: the best advice you've ever received
1: I'm gonna actually because I'm an anarchist lift that on its head <laughs> Instead of telling you the best advice I've ever received I'm going to tell you the best advice that I give to families always perfect um if you wish to change your your situation your connection your relation with your relationship with other people whether it's your partner your children business partner friends it doesn't matter and if you're experiencing conflict or triggers or something along the lines that doesn't feel, you know, like peace or or easiness. Um, get into the habit of learning to pause. So pausing, I, and I write about this in my book, A family that pauses versus reacts. That's the very first step of learning to change the dynamic. So what you're doing is you're not playing a pattern. You're not um, running the same uh, story over and over, even when it's might be appropriate or it may not be appropriate. It's just, you're, you're playing the reaction. So instead of doing that, you're creating space and time in between the thing happens, you have some sort of response or, trigger or emotion or whatever the thing is. And instead of re reacting, you can then pause and then make the choice of how to respond. And that works in every situation from parenting littles to, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend stuff, Mm -hmm. to dealing with parents, you know, like as an adult with my adult parents learning. Mm-hmm. To pause no, really
0: that is fun. really great. No, I like how you flipped it. That was thank a good, you. that was a good way to end the episode. Well, if you guys want to reach out to Lainey, all of her sh- uh, links are down below in the show notes. Don't be shy. Go say hi. And thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. And I hope to see you in the next one. Thanks guys.